Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Tokushikai Inside Look podcast, where I share inspiring stories of Budoka around the world. Please share your favorite episodes with your dojo and community so this effort can be spread to more corners of the earth. This episode is brought to you by our amazing patrons over at Patreon. By donating as little as a cup of coffee to a bowl of ramen, they've directly made this podcast possible. If you're enjoying this work and can spare a small tip each month, it would mean a lot to me. I'll also be sharing the occasional behind the scenes clips and side initiatives that build on this podcast. You can find it at www.patreon.com forward slash Tokushikai Canada. Thanks in advance for your support. And now, on to the interview.、Uh, if you could just introduce yourself and talk about、um, your practice outside of, we all here do EI or Kendo or both or all of them.、Uh, but outside of that, what is it that you do? Absolutely. So I'm Natalie, and hi, all. It's a long time I haven't seen you on a Saturday. So before I even started EI, I started practicing a modality called Reiki、uh, 15 years ago. So when I started, I started with a very Western Reiki. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's really sold as an alternative therapy and hands on healing. And I liked it very much. It was really about feeling, and it was very beautiful. But it felt wrong. Something felt was missing. So, seven years ago, I came in contact with a Japanese teacher of Reiki. And it was a completely different experience. It wasn't about channeling or masters or guides or spirits. It was really a simplified esoteric Buddhism、uh, practice. So, it was more about not healing people and seeing angels. It was really about moving towards the path to enlightenment, obviously, probably in like a hundred lifetimes. And in that practice, really became all about the breath. And that is a, like it was for me a gift. I come from a family where bread, there was no good bread hygiene. And actually, that's a concept I didn't even understand breathing hygiene, right? So, my whole family, they're smokers. I was a smoker. We always were breathing up to here. And my family is from Belgium. So, everybody smoked everywhere. And then, what happened to they, sm- they smoked through their mouth. So, I grew up being a very hyper person, very heady. With breathing here, smoking. And honestly, I had no idea that breath could have an impact in your life until six years ago when I started breathing through my belly. And that was a big discovery, the same discovery of the Hara. So I practiced Reiki for all these years and then I started feeling very heavy. Reiki felt a very passive. And that's how I one day walk in my dog. I saw a lot of people dressed in Japanese outfits. I'm like, what is this? And I got into it to bring that same mindfulness of the breath that I have. In stillness in Reiki to bring it into movement. And as I practice more both of them, the more I get in more and more linked because they're very similar at the core. So that's a little bit of my journey.、Uh, so before we get into the,、uh, the modern or the way that you're doing Reiki now and how you're using breath,、uh, let's just be more a little more clear on what, what is the, because we have our assumptions on what Reiki is. We've heard about it. As you mentioned, there's this kind of Western. Ideal of like using energy to heal people. Could you explain a, a little more about the difference between what it was that you had been doing and then what you, what you discovered、Absolutely. in terms of like the individual practice and also how do you use it with others? Great. So, the concept、uh, when I learned Reiki, I was told it was an energy healing technique that channeled universal energy to bring balance at all levels、uh, physical, mental, emotional. Spiritual. So it was a really hands on healing. So you will place your hands on different parts of the body to bring balance, and you will get into a, a sort of meditative space to allow that to happen. So you will drop a little bit who you are. So you allow, like, almost connecting to the source. But they didn't have any breathing practice or anything. So it wasn't a very grounded practice. And if you meet many Western practitioners, they go into a lot of psychics and a lot of things because grounding is, is not part. So, it was really sold as an energy healing modality. And again, 15 years ago, I wanted to just place my hands on people and make the pain go away. I have to accept that was the origin of my story, right? I didn't like people being unhappy. I'm like, oh, great. I place my hands and everything is sold. That didn't happen. And that doesn't happen in Reiki. So, what I practice now is a completely different point of view. It has to do with energy, but think of it more of semen kokoro, kind of. Energy versus I'm channeling universal energy, I don't know where from. So, the practice I am now could be described as a spiritual practice、uh, that combines light touch and mindfulness to relax, but also to reencounter your true self. 
And when we talk about true self, it's really remembering you are interconnected with everything. So it's really finding that interconnection and that more Buddhist sense that you're one with the universe, the universe is in you. And the gateway to the universe is in your hara. So most of my practices now are breathing into the hara different ways. Uh, there is, for example, I think you were, uh, Patrick, with that exercise, there is zazen a little bit. Mostly there is a breath called Joshin Kokiyoho, which means purifying the mind heart using the breath. And it's really about kind of like building the fire in the hara and then expanding it out. And then there is a lot of chanting as well. So we chant different mantras. A little bit, this called a tradition called Kotodama in Japanese, which is sound uh, is chanting basically primal sounds to move the energy in your body. So you have different chants for different kind of buildup. So if you want to be more connected to the heavenly energy, uh, you're going to sing something that has more AE sounds in it. If you want to be more grounded, you're going to have more O and deep A sounds into it. So you have those different chants. So it's really, when it comes to breathing, it's really building mostly your hara because then that opens up the rest of your energy. So I don't know if that was clear. I hope it was. If I ramble, bring me back. Yeah, I, I think that that's very helpful in dispelling like initially all of us because of our exposure in the West right now to these Reiki, like I have to use the word cults because it, yeah, it just gets us to have a bad picture in our heads. So it really helps us to, to figure out that when you when you say that there was no grounding in that, there it was more of a, they, they just try to make up something and, and that's why it feels like a cult. Whereas when you're doing the practice, you're doing something physical, you're doing something for another reason. Yeah, it's it's um, it's a thing that I'm trying to deal with. I'm bringing a new sub podcast of education. So people are really badly trained in Reiki. So they do eight hours and they have a certification. When I told them it takes 10 years as a beginner in the eye, like Western Reikis will just laugh at me. Uh, so we have a small group that is growing, that is really going, again, it's more what we do is simplify esoteric Buddhism. Uh, Mikao Sui, the creator of Reiki, actually uh, did some Yamabushi techniques. He did Zazen for many years. He studied with monks. He did martial arts as well. So a lot of his system is very simple, but again, it's so simple, but you need to repeat and repeat, repeat. And then when they brought it to the West, the Japanese woman who did that, she's like, oh, people are not going to be wanting to work for this. She simplified, but she still had a lot of practice. But then through the years, they added the chakras, a lot of things because if you don't have the depth of breath and practice you cannot go very deep and it's become a very new age thing versus what it was a very traditional japanese simplified buddhism so everybody could reach enlightenment even if they didn't have the education to read the sutras so that was the original goal of it okay uh so up until this point our focus in this group and just in general on breathing has been very on the physical side so whether it's practicing through yoga um, whether it's our discussion with ashley that's breathing and singing and last week last time we had a discussion with ellen and dominique about what's happening inside the body physiologically molecularly uh, for breathing but when you're explaining it there's a lot more imagery involved and more kind of higher level thinking could you maybe go over like how does that fit into when you think about breathing practice using the these images of the heavens or like heat and cold and that stuff okay so let me because if i ramble again just let me know i call you'll be like sophia vergara on steroids on base so just bring me down and also if my accident become too sick also i'll slow down so in reiki and it's a little bit like again yeah right we when you talk about traditional Japanese Reiki, we have heaven and earth. So earth is everything on this plane is the physical, heavenly is obviously the connection to the source. So it's basically duality and non-duality, right? And non-duality will be completely dropping the self in the spiritual sense. So you're finally enlightened. So we need both to function in this earth and the link through those is the breath. So when it's basically the breath is the link between mind and body. And when I mean mind is the Japanese sense of mind, which is more Kokoro, right? Heart mind. So the breath is really the thing that allows you to bring enlightenment to the body or like to have consciousness and body work together. So you can do that as images of heaven and earth, or you can just think also something called Sanmitsu, which is the three mysteries of the Buddha. And it's very similar. It's just like mind, body, and speech 
But if you think about it, speech is really breath. So breath is the bridge so that you can have all that energy in your body and be able, for example, in the eye, how do you project them? You know, really building it through the breath into your body and then expanding it out. So that is a little bit, there is a lot of imagery, it depends how you meditate. So, and again, I do some meditations that are not strictly Reiki. My mentor actually has gone to Japan and I went to Japan to train last year. So it's really how do you use the breath as an anchor? So you're tied to your body. And once you are anchored in your body, you can open your mind like a sky without clothes, like completely expanded. So we have some meditations that are really just very breath focused, like just being aware of your breath, but not on the throat, not on a specific point. You want to learn to move with the breath, right? You want to feel the breath become one with the breath. So that is also no static. So you don't want to build in Reiki the breath, the attention on the upper side. You, if you decide to have a point, it should be the hara. But ideally, the, the breath will be moving and your mind will be moving with the breath. Because when your mind and the breath are aligned, you're aligning with the body. Also, because if you just keep it in one point, your energy becomes very heavy. So for example, when I was training with Zazen uh, in Japan, we will mix hours of Zazen, which is really placing most part of your attention always in the hara to anchor to then let go of the mind. But then we will chant because the monk will say, if you breathe too much in the hara, just the hara, you'll become, he will say like, because his English he basically was non-existent. So you need to combine it with either more visuals. So for example, how do you clear your central channel, your spine? You imagine light going up and down, right? So you can use visuals for that. Or again, you do chanting, which is not very visual, but it allows that energy that you built into the hara to move and to be more flexible. So beyond heaven and earth, we also work a little bit with the balance of flexible and firm. So how can you be solid but supple? So again, you see all the references to AI, right? How can I be a person who has boundaries, but I'm not rigid? How can I be compassionate, but not an enabler? So that you do having a breath that is very grounded, but not heavy. And let me know if I'm talking very abstract. Actually, if you could explain, like I, I can kind of get the sense of like heaviness. And you also mentioned the, the word anchor, something yeah. that keeps you here in the physical self. But then when you when you use the word enlightenment, I'm I don't I don't don't know really what that means in terms of like anchoring the physical body, being aware of the breath. When we're doing meditation, part of that is to be more aware. But then this other part about going out there or being enlightened, I, I could you explain that part a little more? Yeah. So enlightenment is a goal, and it's not something that probably is easy to reach unless you are like, again, the Buddha or like someone like Thich Nhat Hanh, who is probably very close to that state where there is no individual self, they're fully interconnected. So imagine, and this is hard, but you know how in the eye we say you have to be aware of the tech in the front, in the back. So imagine taking that and becoming one with your techie. You are so connected to your techie that you know exactly what they're thinking, what they're feeling. And then you realize the techie is just yourself. Like there is no difference between you and the techie, right? The enemy. So that is a little bit of what you're looking for alignment. There is, you can feel the room. You are the room where you're doing AI. You are the enemy you're fighting. So that is a little, it's a simplified way of alignment. I cannot really tell you what alignment is because I'm not even close to have a hint of it. I can describe it like, for example, sometimes I don't feel me. I, there is no me. So it's really a dropping of the self. It has happened very seldom to me seconds, but I can tell you sometimes I get into the room and everything slow downs and there is no difference between the sword and myself. There is no difference between like Sensei and Parker Sensei and myself. So that is a deep sense of interconnection. When you reach the sense of interconnection to a point where there is no individual me, there is no fear, there is no anger, there is no worry, then you're enlightened. And in a simplified way, if you think about it, on the road towards enlightenment, it's really about dropping worry and anger and reconnecting with gratitude and compassion. And again, compassion, the Buddhist sense, not compassion the way we see it in the West. So that is probably the way you want to do it. And you can use the bread, for example, to drop anger. Why are we angry? Because all of the energy is on our head and we're going, blah, 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 right? Or sometimes you feel like the fire going up. So you can use the breath to really ground yourself, to stabilize your energy so it doesn't go crazy up there. And that is also not so much bubbling, right? So you are like centered, 
square, almost like instead of being a triangle, most of us are like this, because we watch TV, we read, we think, we watch the phone. So how do you bring that energy to be very stable in your hips? So then you don't get as angry. Uh, how do you stop worrying? Pretty much the same, right? Just bringing this down through the breath where it should be. And those are things like, how are you more present? For example, when you are enlightened, which I'm nowhere here close to, but we talk about letting go of the past and the future, but also the present. So a lot of times we talk about, in the eye especially, right? We need to let go of the past and the future. We don't need to anticipate. But actually it's even about letting go of the present. What you're doing, not even being conscious of time. So it's really letting go of all those linear perceptions we have in this plane and expanding the mind beyond that. And it's really difficult to understand because most of us have not experienced it. So we have just, you know, we have either very slight experiences uh, or just a description of other people. Okay. Uh, so what, what it sounds like too is that the breathing is just part of um, what, when we're doing it, we're using it to achieve something else that we're, we're trying to get at, which is, I think for me, the thing that really uh, makes, helps me understand it is the dropping of the self because I think we've all been in those states where we're doing something where it just feels really easy. I think one term that's used is flow, or um, I don't know if there's a, another term, but like you just realize everything just coming easy. You, you're just in the work and you don't realize that you're paying attention to what you're doing. Um, but in, in those sense, like breathing can help us get there. When you're doing that practice, is there an improvement of the usage of breath? Because similarly, in when we're doing kendo or yaido or any of these martial arts, we're using the breath to improve whatever technique we're doing or our situation. But there's very little focus on how do we know whether or not we're breathing properly and better, and how do we just practice improving the breath? And that's what kind of this session has been about. These sessions is to let's focus on this just one thing so that we can try to get better at it, and then we can bring it back. When you're doing the Reiki practice or the meditation, is there work to say, oh, well, the breathing you're using right now is not as good as it could be, so this is how you can improve? Yes, but but without so much emphasis on improving. So I think the difference is you just breathe for years and you notice the difference. So you basically, and you learn two things, not to be attached to what you're doing and not to fix it, just breath as an exploration. So. What we do, for example, Reiki, I've been practicing Joshin Kokiho, this very deep belly Hara building meditation for six years, right? So every, so often I get a new, wow, I'm going deeper. Oh, my shoulders are going down. So it's, it's an improvement, but you shouldn't be sitting just for improving. You're just sitting to practice like that. The practice is just sitting and breathing, but you do, honestly, I do feel an improvement. When I started this, again, I was, I mostly, had like breathing through my mouth. I couldn't breathe very deeply. And now I can breathe very deeply. I'm starting to even breathe towards the ribs and towards the back of my thoracic and like my lower thing. Sorry, I'm not really good with anatomy, but my lower back, right? So, and I'm dropping to levels of concentration. Uh, it used to take me 10 to 15 minutes to be able to calm down with this breath. I can now calm down and center and focus in three breaths. Uh, when it comes to Reiki practice, I basically don't use, I don't do a lot of sessions because it stresses me out because people want like to be healed in a session. But when I am, I don't move very much. I just breathe. And people is like, where are you doing? I'm like, I'm not doing anything. I'm just being present and breathing. And when it comes to AI, I do feel the difference, uh, especially this year that we've been uh, basically by ourselves. I have a little bit of ADHD, so it's difficult for me in the, sometimes in the dojo to pay attention. But I can feel after a year of paying attention through my breath, using it as a link between my body and my mind to understand what I'm doing wrong with kata, like it's really improving the way I'm moving. My hips are more grounded, they're more on the floor, and I can direct the breath where I want so I can loosen and soften uh, whatever movement I'm trying to do. So it's really about repetition, and there is, a, I said instead of improvement, a bigger depth. So you go deeper into it. And it does work because some of you have seen me testing. I'm not great with technique, uh, but every time I pass because I have a big presence and they don't understand how I can be so sloppy in my technique, but have presence. And it's basically because I've been doing my Joshin Kokio breath for half an hour and you learn how to blast your presence and your energy in the room, 
even if I physically I'm not able to do that. So I don't know if that helps a little bit. Yeah, go go into more detail. There's two things that you mentioned besides the the blasting, the presence. I'm just interested in what are you thinking? What's going through your head or what's what do you feel when that's happening? The other thing you mentioned was bringing the breath to specific parts of your body to allow that to move. Because I've when I when I've done some yoga in the past, it's the same thing. Like if you feel some place that you're stretching out that feels very tight, bringing breath to that location actually physically helps it, even though it's like like your breath actually isn't going there because it's it's just blood that's going there. So could you talk about those two things a little more and what's going yeah, on? What are you thinking? Absolutely. What are you doing? So I'll start with this uh, latter one because it's easier, it's easier to describe. So basically, and this has to do a little bit with the capacity to exhale longer. So the exhalation of your breath is what relaxes. So the inhale basically energizes your nervous system, the exhalation relaxes. So you take an inhale, but you want to take it all the way to your belly, again, to the heart, right? And again, you're doing the double thing. You're really calming down your mind, and then you're exhaling slowly, relaxing, and using the breath to place your awareness there. So when you place your awareness using the breath, or you can just send your mind somewhere, right? If you have a good kinetic sense, which most of you probably do, uh, what happens when you place your mind there, uh, where the mind goes, the energy goes. And again, this is Reiki practice. You know, I don't know how much science there is behind it, but quantum physics probably will agree with that. So when you place your mind somewhere, the energy goes there, there is a flow of blood or whatever you want to say. But basically, it's almost like if someone is misbehaving and you look at them and they stop, that's what happens with your body, right? So you're, the first thing is you're aware of how tense your shoulder is. And I'm using my left shoulder because it's always like this, right? So when I place my awareness in my shoulder, I'm like, wow, shoulder, you're so tense. It's a way of doing this, it's a way of caring and supporting your shoulder and the shoulder lets go. So for me, it's really an awareness tool of my body where it is. And then using that exhale, lengthening that exhale as much as I can to tell my uh, nervous system, you're safe. There is no need for your shoulder to be like that. There is no real person that is gonna come with a katana and cut you in pieces, right? So relax, soften. But mostly you're also connecting your brain to your shoulder using the breath so you can send a message. I have a very poor kinetic sense. So this is almost like my telegram or my email or my text system, right? Hey, shoulder, it's okay, relax. You can do that with pain as well. So a lot of the times when we have pain, uh, we avoid it. But actually, if you really feel the pain and place your awareness, you're going to feel like, first of all, more pain. And then it actually is going to vanish a little bit because there is your energy or there is your mind, your awareness, either supporting or helping. And I really, again, I feel it with my Reiki practice with my clients. Sometimes they come in pain from chemo, from back pain, and they leave after an hour, you know, without pain. But they probably suffer a lot for 15 minutes when my hands were placed there because their awareness is there. It's not me doing a miracle. I'm placing my hands. I'm holding the space, but their mind is where my hands are. So they're processing that pain. So that is probably the best explanation. It also helps, for example, a lot with foot pain or with fear before testing. What happens with fear when we're gonna test? We don't wanna be afraid, right? So we, I'm not afraid, I'm strong. What happens, you become brittle. If you breathe in, I'm afraid, and you exhale long, and you actually don't fight the fear, you realize fear is just another energy you can actually channel then what happens that fear you inhale the fear you send it to your whole body and you exhale it out it comes out as cement right because it's almost like you can it's just energy it's just either going too fast or it's a perception so how do you accept that it's just energy so you breathe into your fear it's okay to be afraid there is nothing wrong with it and then wow and then as you breathe in because you process you accept it it starts to almost vanish right because fear is a mess is a message like hey we're in danger here. Like there's seven people looking at you and you don't know what you're doing, right? So, but then when you say like, it's okay, so what? I'm afraid and you breathe into it and you don't fight it, then it becomes part of your whole body and it's not gonna hide into a weird left hand that is not moving or a foot that lost its balance. And again, you also use your breath to send all that energy to your hara so you don't lose your balance when you're standing up or down. So that that is probably a very simplified experience explanation. What I feel is a little bit different. Again, I have for like six years of Reiki, like of it's 15, but it's really six of very deep Reiki. In my case, I start losing the fear because I see everybody very human. And sometimes I see the connection with the senseis. What happens to me when we're testing 
when I do that breathing the right way and I have time and I'm not the first one in the line, I realize actually the senseis are exactly in the same position I am. They actually want me to pass. And this sounds very corny, but through the breath, almost I get into a rhythm with them and I feel supported during uh, my, my test. I feel like there is nothing to fear. So the fear and anger go away, but most of that I feel interconnected. So I'm not alone in front of a bunch of strangers. We're all practicing together. So I feel a sense of community. And I will say loving kindness, even though it sounds very corny, but you know, it's, it's more of a like, we're all humans together having an experience that is beautiful. And you, we use in Reiki a lot of inner light. We're all sharing our light. Um, and that is very difficult to describe. It's very peaceful and it takes really your fear away, but it's all true building the Hara. So again, sorry if I go very woo woo. A little bit. Oh, that, that's, that's very cool because um, what it's really helping me imagine too, as you're speaking about it, is we want to make, we want to build connection with something, whether it's part of our body, whether it's an emotion like fear, or whether it's with um, with the senseis that are that might be judging us. So to to build this kind of connection where we're we can be aware of this body part or this emotion, we need something. And up until this point, if, if anyone were to ask me anything, I would be, I have no idea. Like there's, there's nothing that connects everyone besides like, besides in, in the terms of our body would be the blood. And that's what's carrying the oxygen, which is what, like from two weeks ago, we we're discussing this physiology, physiologically. Um, it's what gives us life. It's what keeps us, gives us energy. Um, and then same thing, like uh, with anyone else, if we're trying to connect with another human being, they had the same thing and and it's actually this reminds me of something else that um, happens is when a woman gives birth the baby initially when they're touching the mom is connected through like the heartbeat and and the breath rate too so they'll naturally come in sync with each other and i've noticed this too when natsuki was a kid that she was very um she was very connected with uh, hannah's emotional state so if she was very, if Hannah was very nervous, then Aski would get nervous, and but we would it would show up in a different way. So it seems like there is something, and the only thing that you could really see is this, the movement of the breath. Yeah, and it's very beautiful. Think of it like tuning fork, right? We're all tuning forks. So as you say, like if the mother is like this, even if the kid is like this, you will join towards the same rhythm. So as as human beings, as community, we're like designed to vibrate together and it can be breathing together, it can be whatever description. We have separated that a little bit, especially in modern times. So then really when we're together, if you drop the fear and the anger, it's easy to come together as a community again. And, and the feeling can be really one about, again, it's really loving kindness. There is no other way to describe. It's being able to, we have a symbol in Reiki, which is called dichomia. So big, bright light and the idea of the practice of Reiki is that you can actually open like Dai, which is the little man character. And what it means is a man who's not afraid to show whoever a woman, like a human, who they are under heaven and earth. And for me, that is both beautiful for AI and Reiki. Like, can I be 100% who I am and also not get attached to whatever label of what I think I am, let go of all those labels and just show myself vulnerable and naked in front of other people without fear. And I think that is what we're doing with the eye too, right? Can I do my best movement? Can I express the eye in the best way I can, my own way, without being afraid of anyone, right? Of dying, of not passing the test. And for me, those are two things. And what's happening is I'm finding more movement in the stillness of Reiki, right? And I'm finding stillness in the eye that I never expected to find. When very, very seldom, when I'm in that flow that you mentioned, and for me, imagine moving through life with that flow all the time, like I let go of like, am I doing this technique right or wrong? Like I let go of everything and it's just so beautiful, but I'm very still even though moving. So that I'm, I love the cross reference of those two. And I don't know, I'm also interviewing hopefully soon someone who's done both EI for 50 years and Buddhism and Reiki for 50 years. So if I get that interview, I'll share that with you as well. Yeah, that'd be so cool. Uh, so at this point, I wanted to see if anyone else has any specific questions from from the group that they might want to raise. So if if I, if I were accompanying you to Japan when you went there for training, what would it look like to me if I were observing 
you training there in a day? What would I what would I see you doing? You will be very bored. <laughs> okay. So basically, we I live like a Zen monk for three weeks. So I live in uh, a Zendo. So I had my you basically have like a meditation pod where you sleep and live and do everything. So you will see me waking up at five in the morning with a gong, very miserably going into one hour of Zazen, which is a sitting meditation where you use the cosmic mudra, which is basically again, a symbol of unity with everything, but you place it in your hara. So part of your mind is always in your hara and then you're supposed to really open up, letting, allowing your thought to flow like clouds, but not getting distracted, right? So you're really, how can you be open and expanded without being distracted? So I will do that for an hour in silence. Sometimes the monk will read a little bit of a sutra. Then we will do chanting for an hour and you will be horrified because I'm getting better but I was a horrible chanter. And then we will actually do breakfast like with the bowls. So it's almost like a choreography of how to use the bowls, eat and chant sutras, you will not speak. It was an eating meditation. Then I will clean the, the whole Zen I was going to say dojo and you're supposed again to use your breath to be mindful to make cleaning into a breathing meditation as well which sometimes I had a podcast hidden but he didn't know and then you will basically have two three hours of free time to study or walk the mountains so the I was in a monastery that was it was the only thing in a huge mountain in front of another sacred mountain then we will meditate from five to seven have dinner meditate from 7 30 to nine and go to bed without, so no internet, nothing. It was really basically five hours of Zazen and one hour of chanting. And chanting, we don't do it a lot in the West. It's a very different chanting than the Indian chanting. It's not so singy, it's very monotonous. It's really like like that. And the idea is so that you become almost like in a kind of trance, but you also have to be aware. And that, and I think also it's very beautiful because when you chant, you inhale very fast and you exhale for a long time chanting, right? They're very long chants. You're not supposed to cut them. And what happens, talking about losing the fear, that's a big part of Reiki and Buddhism. When you chant, you're going to run out of air, especially me. I didn't have like, I've been building my breathing, my breathing practice, but I'm not a 60 year old monk who's been chanting for 40 years. So as you chant, you run out of air, you learn how to lose the fear of running out of breath. But that for them also, again, they're advanced. It means running, you're losing the fear of dying. So there is a lot of practice of, of that, of like, how can you be one with everything, cleaning everything, be more mindful of your everyday life, but also how can you lose your fear of dying through chance or using again the bread as an example. So yeah, you have been very, very bored. And I look like a mess after a week, but we didn't care. And was there any time where you were uh, applying the, uh, call it the treatment aspect of Reiki to uh, another person? Not in, not in the, in the monastery. So I, again, Reiki is very seen as a hands-on healing. Again, that is a very Western, and believe me, it's amazing. My hands get really hot. You get relaxed. Like it's a beautiful experience. When you go to traditional Reiki, you learn to see it differently. And you, we talk about being Reiki 24 seven. If you go to Japan, everything has Reiki, right? It means basically life force. So when you are there, you basically, what you do is you almost like use your energy from the whole body. So you support the space. So instead of using my hands, I just use my breath. So I inhale, I connect with my Hara, which is supposedly the gateway to the universe. And then when I exhale, I expand my energy and that expansion grows. So your Hara, which is like this can become as big as to unlock yourself or, or like, you know, hold the space for someone else who's meditating. And then you can actually, the idea is you grow up the way that is unlimited, that you can expand your Hara and just get lost with everything. So there what we did at the Zen monastery was holding the space for each other. And you could feel it when the monk was there, he wasn't always there because he was married and he would come a few days. Uh, we all meditated longer and deeper because he had such a grounded presence and he was holding the space for us. And, and so we will go deeper. And if you do meditation by yourself and then you've done meditation in a group, if it's a good group, you're gonna feel you go deeper and it's easier because you're all holding the space. So my Reiki practice has become more a lot of holding the space without hands than using my hands, almost like the hands that are the training wheels in a way. So it's, again, it's a very different take on Reiki practice and it's very similar to Buddhism 
and the way the monk hold the space for us, but he didn't touch. Yeah, he, we didn't do any Reiki per se. So, so when does that uh, application aspect uh, occur? Not, not maybe not in the training in Japan. Is that more in the states somewhere? In the states, so there, I use it for two things. I use it basically to still. I used to before the pandemic do some uh, sessions in person. So I myself as a practitioner, I specialize on people who were uh, enduring either chemo treatment or were on the last stages of cancer, because it brings very peaceful state and relaxation. It also helps with the side effects. And it's not magic when your body is relaxed, the lymph does more detox. So, you know, your nervous system goes into rest and restore. So I work mostly with that. Also because people here in New York are not touched very, like a lot of people are lonely and the only touch they get is like people putting needles or operating them. So that caring touch and that loving touch without judgment and without trying to fix them is really beneficial for them. So that was most of my practice. Uh, I also specialize in mentoring other Reiki uh, students. So there is, um, there is a ritual called Reiju, which is spiritual blessing. And it's basically where we connect. We try as much as we can as practitioners and teachers to drop the self and become that big bright light. When that happens with someone who is also in a meditative space, you basically feel a very sense of becoming one it's a very beautiful experience. It's very difficult to describe in words. Sometimes people feel very loved. A common description is that you feel home. You feel no fear, nothing. You just feel amazingly good. There is a lot of warmth. So that is also applied in that sense of, of training people and teaching people how to practice this. Personally, my mission is becoming more about letting go of that Western idea of Reiki, of people really having a grounding practice and meeting many Reiki practitioners who are losing their jobs or they're going very emotional because they get this big influx of energy, but they don't have the roots, right? So it's, it's the same if we have a heavy sword and we don't have a strong core and we don't have strong hips, we cannot handle it. So um, and my mission has been to really educate people and, and really teaching more the meditation side of Reiki, using the breath, what is a hara? How can you be stable and actually then have a steady practice and hold the space versus trying to fix everybody? But, but yeah, and with the pandemic, it's been difficult. So it's been really teaching online more the breathing part. Let me know if I answer, because again, I, I, I get all excited and I just don't want to, I know sometimes I go to the side. Yeah, no, I appreciate you uh, conveying that. Uh, I don't know, maybe it was 15 years ago, I took a Reiki, it was like a one day Reiki workshop here in Rochester. And it was very much in, that uh, domain that you were explaining, like very short period of training. And it just seemed kind of shallow a little bit. So I didn't have much expectation today listening to you talk about it, but this is a whole different domain of, uh, or expression of Reiki than I had expected. Yeah, no, and I appreciate that. It's, it's I honestly, I it was the right thing for me that first training. Uh, mm. We're having a discussion as a community how can we allow people with 16 hours of training to, to go and hold mm -hmm. the people with trauma, right? Mm -hmm. So there is that discussion. For me, I take it really as a spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. I, it makes me live my life with more compassion and happier if I can mm -hmm. help other people do that. I teach it as Japanese mindfulness incorporations as well. Mm -hmm. So, but, but yeah, it's the Reiki we're learning and the one you heard, like 95% of people are training that Reiki, Western Reiki. But the origins and the root of it are really, really beautiful once you start, you know. But again, we were separated from Japan with the war. So those practices were not back until probably 10 years ago. And people are resisting them because they mean commitment. They mean practicing every day. They means that you're breathing and some days you don't see angels or roses. You're just breathing. So it's a little bit like, yeah, yeah, you need to really love yai because it's not like you get like, oh my God, I did this amazing cat after two months, right? It's, some days are really hard even after 10 years of training. So for me, they're very similar practices and most people are not attracted to traditional Reiki because of that. So now perhaps I can send you a book, perhaps you will enjoy it then. Yeah, uh, anyone else have something that they want to ask? Peter? So I'm, I'm building this Venn diagram of where we know in science, and some of the things that you were saying. So there's a lot of things that I'm like connecting. The heaven thing I don't, in science we don't have this heaven, like uh, a spiritual or anything like that, because it's, 
you, you can't really uh, predict it. You can't analyze it. You can't quantify it. But things like when you're saying, I want to breathe down into my stomach. I want to breathe down. I think it's, as humans, we kind of want to have, we, we, we can't understand things in a mechanistic way, right? It doesn't, it doesn't really, like, as humans, we don't do a really good mechanism, like understanding it in, in that mechanism, mechanistic way as you would do in science. But when you say, okay, I'm going to breathe down, I'm going to breathe into my ribs, I can breathe. I think what you're doing is you're, you're, you're making your breathing system more efficient, larger, right? You're, you're, you're strengthening muscles that you never used before. So you're, you're getting a better breath in um, just by trying to image, just by holding that image. Um, so that, that, that was kind of my, my thing and also, it always brings me this to this joke of the, the Buddhist going to the hot dog stand. You've heard it, right? I think I say it, but I think I heard it, yeah. So the Buddhist monk goes to the hot dog stand and says, um, make me one with everything. So, okay. And he gives him a, a $20 bill. So the, the hot dog, the hot dog vendor makes one with everything and gives it to him. Starts eating his hot dog, and then Buddhist monk says, Wait, where's my change? The vendor says, change comes from within. Oh, <laughs> that's such a cute, but it is true. Now I want a hot dog. No, 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 it, it is very true. And I think I love what you said about like how you push, you know, the breathing down if in science, because part of me is also like, I'm a little bit obsessed with quantum physics and science, even though I'm like a little lazy when it comes to reading, but basically you're also connecting the different brains, right? So in Reiki, we have three centers, which is the forehead, the heart, and the belly. So you have, it's basically, we call them heaven, heart, and earth, but you actually have a big nervous system. So when you use the breath to breathe in and down, you're also using your belly to relax that gut brain that we have. You know, that is non-verbal, but a lot of the fear and those gut reactions are from all those 100 million kind of neurons you have in your gut brain. So when you breathe really deeply, you're massaging them. And when you're using your breath to connect to that center, you're also giving an option to those neurons to send a signal because they're nonverbal to your other brain. So it's also, as you say, like you have, instead of using this nervous system, you're starting to use your whole body. You're using your whole nervous system. So you can process information faster and you have more energy, right? You're using your whole body, the more you use the brand to bring the whole body into your practice. You're not just using whatever strength you have on a foot or on an arm, you're using your whole body because it's integrated. So I love that take on science. Yeah, I think that that's, what was I trying to, what was I just holding on to and then I forgot? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just thinking of something that was, oh, all right, now I lost it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> if I can, if I can say one thing, yeah, uh, I'm. I didn't realize. <clears throat> well, the name of the the uh, the place you went in Akita, Akita Ken. Uh, yeah. Of course, Kamala Sensei, my Sensei, is from Akita Shine, from the city. So that's his hometown. And to hear that there's oh, and it's Chozenji. Chozenji is the name of the. Zendo, uh, there. It was, in, yeah, it was in Chokai-san, so it was in the sacred mountain of Chokai-san. Uh, yeah. So it was a Chokai-san monastery, but yeah, it was just, it was Yashimamachi, so it was a town like an hour away from Akitashi. Yeah. So and the, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Uh, that, that's a nice connection, and, and it's Soto, so, yeah. so um, I understand a little bit of that. But uh, the one gesture you made uh, sort of spoke volumes to me and you went you went like this and then you went like that yeah and um i think that that, that speaks to me yeah <laughs> this idea and changing well being able to understand this one yeah so. yeah it speaks volumes 
speaks volumes to me. Yeah, picture is a thousand words right there for me. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so if no one has other questions, um, I want to end with maybe you could. You you talked about you were doing this breathing practice before uh, grading or um, a shi, and you were doing this building up building up this so that when you were performing, you had this semi or this presence. Uh, can you walk us through what, what that practice is, what that exercise is, what are you doing? Absolutely. So do you want to practice now or should I just describe it so you can do it on your own? Well, you said you were doing that, what, 30 minutes? Maybe just, yeah. yeah I'll just <laughs> let you know how to do it. And I can uh, then send you also the drawing because I did, and I had a tough time when I started with Reiki meditation to understand. So I did a lot of drawings and diagrams so people can do them. So I'm happy to share that as well after an email. So Joshin Kokiyoho, again, it literally means the method of using the breath to purify the heart mind. So what you're gonna do, you're gonna sit again in a very stable position and you want your hips to be a little above your knees. So if you're cross-legged, like where the, like you will need like a meditation cushion or a yoga block. If you're sitting on a chair, you may wanna put a little bit of a pillow. And then if you're sitting on a chair, you want your feet to be really on the ground. So, because again, this is a very grounding meditation. Uh, hands have to be like a palm up and sorry for those of you who want to see you want them to have them close to your hara because what you're creating is a bowl almost like to hold the energy right so you're really creating you're becoming again if we want to become like this we need to accumulate energy there so palms are facing up creating a bowl where your hara is and as with every meditation the hard part is like having the spine like the obi it has to be straight and active but not tense you know it has to be the right thing so chin in so the head rests above the head so really going into meditation pose relaxing the shoulders and then the first thing you want to do is to just breathe a little bit inhaling out and then exhaling contracting the breath towards the belly uh, the spine so you want to inhale exhale inhale exhale and what you're creating with that breath is a bellow effect you're building fire in the hara so it's a little bit of a different breath. And you really, at the beginning, then it becomes more normal. You want to push it at least for the few first breaths, the first minute. You really want to exaggerate that movement because that is the first like, okay, I'm letting go of the day. I'm bringing a big thing down. And again, building that fire, then it's going to be more normal, but you still want to act like push that belly out on the inhale and then contract in the exhale. And then you want to also include a little bit hold between them. So as you inhale, you're going to inhale through the nose, mouth closed. If you want to have the tongue on the back of the tooth or whatever, is fine, but you can relax the tongue as long as you're really inhaling, exhaling through the nose. So inhaling through the nose, and you're going to follow that breath with your mind all the way down to the hara, and you want your breath and your mind to go there together. The end of the inhale is when your mind is in the hara. And then as you hold and exhale, you're going to feel that breath coming out of your body through every pore, right? So one way to make it easier is you inhale light, right? You visualize a light going down your throat, chest, all the way down to the hara. It becomes a sphere of light. And as you exhale, that sphere grows from everywhere and is bigger than you. So inhale light, follow it, follow it, follow it. And then see that sphere of light becoming bigger, 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 bigger on the exhale. So basically that's it, you inhale and then you become very focused, grounded. And then as you exhale that sphere of light, you're expanding your presence. So the beauty of this breath is many times we're either very focused and very dense or we're very expanded, but we're not dense. So what you're practicing is really almost like a muscle to be able to expand your energy, but with density, right? Not scattered, not like, you're gonna be like, and you start with five minutes, and then the second week you build up to 10 minutes, and then you keep it at a minimum of 15 minutes a day if you want to do more fine. But with 15 minutes a day, after probably three weeks, you start feeling already like the fact. Like in my case, I laugh because at work, I, like when people go petty, I don't take it personal anymore, right? That was the first thing I felt. And let me know if that is clear. And again, I'll send you the how to. I also practice it every Tuesday and Thursday online for free at eight in the morning. So anyone wanting to join or having the replay is good, but it's basically that inhaling, mind to the hara, exhaling out through every part of your body. Yeah, I can already immediately 
just a little bit of practice here could feel the difference in in that when you're just about to go into something that you're a little bit afraid or an anxious about, then you tighten up in the chest and everything else. Like I always feel like my hands and my feet are super cold. There's nothing there to actually like makes it very hard for me to move the sword or move my body. But when you're doing this kind of breath, it feels like it's relaxing everything. And it's also bringing awareness to pretty much everywhere. Because if you're thinking all your pores, including your legs and feet, and then um, just like we were talking about earlier, when you bring your attention to a place, it seems like that place relaxes or gets some kind of energy. And actually, um, probably when Elena and Dominique are back again, we ask her about the physiolo physiology. I would love to actually just pick your brains on whether or not when you bring your mind's attention to something, does that physically change anything? Like, does that actually bring more blood to that area or, or just what happens? So we'll ask you that question. You can have some time to think about it. But yeah, thank you so much, Natalie, for, for joining us today and answering our questions. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Yes, thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. And we'll see you on Tuesday, probably. I'll be there. Yep. Take care. Thank, thank you. you. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you. Bye. See you at 12. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode because we have a lot more exciting conversations to share as we explore the world of the traditional Japanese martial arts. The Inside Look podcast is brought to you by our amazing patrons over at Patreon. If you are enjoying this work, please consider supporting me at patreon.com forward slash Canada. To contribute to this effort, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at tokushikai.canada or subscribe to our newsletter at subscribe at tokushikai.ca. Until next time, thanks for listening. 